a lot of people think their house is an asset. It's not. It's a liability. But you're taking this liability and now you're turning it into an asset by having parts of it rented out to folks. Now it's generating income for you. Welcome to Teach Me Real Estate Investing, a show where I share my personal journey and the challenges I face as an investor. I invite industry experts to share their wisdom and advice to help me overcome these adversities with the hopes that it'll help you on your own personal journey. I'm your host, Sawad Ghimire, and I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we're lucky to have with us Ian Jimeno, and we're going to be diving into the topic of house hacking. So with that, Ian, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited. Uh, oh, oh, my gosh. Like I, I have uh, I've had the butterflies ever since I got the Calendly invite, man. So I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ian, you and I actually met at the uh, the five teams meet up here in Seattle, um, that, you know, um, Eric had thrown Eric, one of the five teams members in, here in Seattle. And so, you know, we got to chat a little bit, learn about each other. So I thought, you know, I'd have you here and you share your experience, expertise and experience, uh, as an investor. So I'm really excited about today's topic, especially it's because I think it's one of the best ways for uh, new investors to start. But before we get there, I thought we could start with a little introduction. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started, uh, and what you know got you into this industry and real estate and real estate investing? For sure, man. Yeah. I guess I won't start from when I was born, but I'll start, I guess, when I first started investing. <laughs> so I, uh, I was originally working as a W2 uh, environmental consultant. It's like a glorified geologist. Yep. Um, I was uh, working a lot with investors and banks and lenders to see if a commercial property was deemed um, well enough to buy and if it didn't have any human health risks or things like that. Um, it's a phase one due diligence for those people that are familiar with that. So as I got to, uh, look further in that industry, I realized that it's not just one person buying these things. It's like a group of people. And I was like, how are they able to buy this even like $5 million property with only five people? Then I realized that they're getting capital from other investors. And I was like, Whoa, what is this world that I'm like a part of right now? Mm -hmm. So eventually I uh, digged a little bit deeper, did some Google searches and fell upon bigger pockets, consumed a lot of content from there, from books, house hacking, investing in general, short-term rentals. And I was like, dude, there is so much to consume here and there's so much possibility and opportunity for the average American. So I was just really stoked on it. So I eventually um, bought my first house hack with my wife. Uh, it was funny. It was maybe like two months or three months after we got married. So uh, we bought it in San Diego. It was a duplex that was off market. Thank you so much to my real estate agent for even having that connection. Um, so yeah, we house hacked that property. Um, yeah, we'll go into the specifics uh, with those numbers later on, but uh, moved to Denver in 2020. So I bought it in 2019. Uh, moved to Denver in mm -hmm. 2020 uh, in the heat of COVID. So didn't make too many friends the first year oh. I was there. <laughs> um, and eventually bought two more house hacks. So I house hacked in 2021 and I'm currently living in my 2022 house hack that I purchased in May of this year. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I feel like it's the best way to get into the game and I'm really excited to tell more about it. Yeah, that sounds good. And 
uh, how did you end up on the Phi team? How did you, how did you I guess make that jump from your previous job to hey I want to be a, not just an investor right? You decided I want to be a real estate agent. So how did you make that transition? Yeah, totally. What was that like? Yeah. So um, as an environmental consultant, it's not the most glorious job. I'd say uh, when I was back in San Diego, I had that job previously in San Diego and I continued on that same industry when I moved to Denver. So um, from 2016 to about 2021, I was that environmental consultant position. So um, when I was in San Diego, I had to work outside about 50% of the time and inside writing reports 50% of the time. And um, I enjoyed it. I liked rocks and I liked science. And that was the biggest draw to me for that position. Um, the biggest thing was when I moved over to Denver, I realized that I had to go out of state for a lot of these jobs or go to like Grand Junction, driving through the mountains, which itself, the drive itself was pretty nice. But like having to work in the snow, work with your hands and getting all dirty, especially with like gasoline or petroleum, it's not the most glorious job, you know, but I got paid a decent amount, which allowed me to purchase my uh, current portfolio, which is really nice. So having that attitude towards uh, the consulting job and me coming home from like five days away from home, I was exhausted. And my wife was like, super excited that I was home. Like cats, like, Oh my gosh, thank you. So, like, I, I'm so excited you're here, Ian. Like, let's <laughs> hang out. I'm like, I just want to go to bed. You know, yeah. I'm just excited to be home. And day after day, uh, she started to see this and I started to realize this, that my mental was just shot. I was just in a negative right. headspace all the time. And what I noticed too, is that after work, I would look at investment properties because this is about the time that mm -hmm. I started to like get into the whole real estate investing game. Right. So, right. um, it wasn't until at the end of 2021, around October, when I decided to make that uh, transition into becoming a real estate agent. And the main thing was because I knew that investing in real estate was the path for me and getting other people to hop on that same train to learn about house hacking, to see that you have some insane potential with buying and holding real estate over the course of 30 years or so. People just don't know this stuff. It's, it's the right. unknown that people are not aware of. They don't know what they don't know. And so I want to be that person that right. gives them that light, that sheds light on that opportunity. And um, it took a little bit of convincing, but I think we're all in the better headspace now, my wife and myself included, now that I've become a real estate agent. So it's, uh, it's definitely been the best transition I've made so far. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You were able to take your passion and then make it your career, right? And I think that that's that's amazing. So let's let's get into that topic, right? So house hacking. Uh, for those of us who may not know what that is, could you explain what is house hacking and yeah. why why are we so excited about this? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's funny how like we're talking about house hacking already when we haven't even defined it. <laughs> so um, house hacking is, I guess, in its most general sense, is getting income on your primary residence. Because a lot of people, when they first buy their primary residence, they see their initial down payment, which you could put as little as 3% down on your primary residence. 
And not that many people even know that they see that 20% exactly. in the news lines or the headlines yes. where it's like 20% of 500,000, that's a hundred K. They're like, there's no way I can right. afford that. But the thing is, is that if you work with a proper realtor and work with a proper lender, you can understand that putting as little as 3% down is a possibility or even 0% down with those down payment assistance programs or things like that. Right? So house hacking can come in many forms. One way that I'm doing right now is me and my wife are living in the basement over in Colorado. And for a lot of Californians where my sphere of influence mostly is, there's no basements. So I took advantage of that here in Denver and Colorado in general, where I was like, yeah, let's stay in the basement and operate the upstairs as a short-term rental. That's the most we can squeeze out of a property for its maximum cash flow, in my opinion. So a lot of other people have like they rent out their garages or they rent out certain spaces in their houses where you don't necessarily need to have a renter, but you need to have a use Mm -hmm. or an income source with excess space within your primary residence. So that's how I would define it. Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, just to, you know, clarify the excitement uh, right, you know, that you and I are expressing. So why would someone want to do this? What are the benefits of house hacking as opposed to, you know, investing in a uh, normal investment property, right? Yeah. Totally. Uh, why, is that, you know, house hacking is uh, the way that we're, you know, uh, recommending, I guess, most people get started. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know with, so I guess to give you an example, like I, I these examples come through, as a story, right? I feel like that's the best way to communicate uh, a certain point, right? So with my San Diego home, it was an $815,000 property. And I bought it with an FHA loan of three and a half percent down. And so all in me and my wife, including closing costs, it was about 45k, give or take. And so with purchasing a duplex in San Diego for $45,000, that's already insane to think about. I know people will be visiting San Diego and it's always going to be a desirable area for people to visit and tourism will always Mm -hmm. be there. So I knew going into it that this would be a great investment. So one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to do house hacking is because with such little amount down, like 3% or 3.5%, you have a really large loan amount. And when you have a large loan amount, your mortgage is going to increase to the point where it reflects the insurance, the taxes, and the interest and the principal itself, right? So with such a high mortgage payment, we needed some way to mitigate that mortgage. And the best way to do that is through renting out each of the rooms. And we rented out one of our rooms in our duplex. So we, me and my wife Mm -hmm. stayed in one of the units and we rented out one of the rooms in our unit and we rented out the other unit as well. And so in total, right. we were getting about $2,700 per month just for that one room and that other unit rented out. And we we're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is right. pretty insane. You know, like at, at the time, even before we bought the property, we were worried about like a $50 gym membership per month. Here we are making $2,700 <laughs> a month, you know? So right, exactly. it's, it's crazy uh, to think like the complete advantage of like generating income on your home. Um, and realizing the the snowball effect it gives you. So that's one of the reasons. So uh, going back to your original question is 
Why house hack is because you can mitigate that mortgage. A lot of people worry about that monthly mortgage right. where let's say it's $3,000 right. and if you rent out two of the rooms, yeah. you're getting like $2,000, mm-hmm. right? So you only have right. to pay $1,000 exactly. to live in your home. Another thing is you learn how yeah. to operate a business and you learn how to property manage. Another reason why is to have the tax advantages as well. You can write off certain parts of your house for, hey, I'm using this yeah. as my office to manage my property. Uh, I'm not a CPA, so make sure you talk to your CPA about that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I feel like there's so much more, but um, I feel like those are the main three things that I would encourage people to think about especially when you're thinking about buying a home as an investment property versus house hacking. So I would house hack for sure. Yeah. Wow. We just learned a lot right there. Right. (laughs) So you said, you know, first of all, you're, you're teaching us that, you know, on your primary residence, a lot of people have this misconception. I need 20% down. No, you don't. If you're living there, you can get an FHA loan 3.5%. Right. And then as Robert Kiyosaki says, you know, a lot of people think their house is an asset. It's not. It's a liability. But you're taking this liability and now you're turning it into an asset by having parts of it rented out to folks. Now it's generating income for you. And in most cases, you know, usually you're living for a very, you know, small amount of money. But in most cases, you can even live for free or even make money from the property, right? Um, so, yeah, it's it's quite incredible what you can do with house hacking. So, uh who can house hack? Can anyone house hack? Are there any limitations to house hacking? Um, I can't think of anyone who can't, to be honest. As long as you're approved for a yeah. loan and you know, you're able to buy it based on your financial yeah. situation, you can house hack. Anyone can house hack. So I, don't find, I find right. it to be the lowest barrier to entry to get into real estate investing. Yeah. And so you're an agent. You're passionate about helping others find places to uh, they can house hack right uh are there certain types of property that you look for when you're looking for oh someone wants to house hack this property uh are there certain properties that you tend to gravitate towards totally yeah and i guess my audience might be a little bit different than yours sagat i mean especially with uh seattle versus denver although they are very alike in terms of like cost of living or even the 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 demographic as well but the styles of homes might be a little bit different so um So I often have that initial conversation with people. Let's say if they're a recent college graduate, let's say they're 22, 23 years old, and they're like, I find this to be the best way to get into real estate investing, and I want to do this as soon as possible. And I'm like, okay, let's keep your um, same lifestyle like you had in college and continue that on. What I mean by that is, a lot of people live in dorms or live in houses that house a lot of college students. Let's keep that same lifestyle for the first three or four years of your investing career. And let's say for those types of people, I would suggest finding a house that's in a good neighborhood that has the most amount of bedrooms as possible and a good ratio to bathroom to bedroom. uh, Yeah. Ratio. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I would say like a two to one ratio is a really good ratio. Um, Of course, uh, having like a three three bathroom to six bedroom is good. Four to six is great too. Um, Another Mm -hmm. way to make this work as well is let's say you want your own living space. Let's say you want your own separate entrance or things like that. So having Mm -hmm. the concept of basements, which I could not do in San Diego, but I can do here in Denver, 
it just opened up a whole new world right. for me. So that's exactly what I'm doing right now, where um, looking for a separate entrance where you can enter the house from the back or from the side entrance or mm -hmm. whatever that might be and leave the main entrance for the new guests or for yeah. like a short-term rental or long-term rental or whoever that might be, right? And you could charge a little bit right. more for that um, sort of layout as well because now they get their own space as well. There's pros and cons to both aspects mm -hmm. to it, but those are the main types of houses that I look for. It's either a lot of bedrooms or having that separate basement entrance. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far, and if you are, I would really appreciate it if you could give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on. It would help get the podcast in front of more people so that they can also get value out of it. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think, you know, and then I think you also mentioned your duplex in San Diego, right? So you can have multifamily properties too, up to four units where you can be a primary resident, right? So that's something I'm doing right now. I'm, I have a triplex in Seattle. I'm living in one of the units. I have my own space, my own, like, you know, two bedrooms, one bath, a living space. And the two other two units are rented out on Airbnb and, you know, um, I don't really have to worry about, you know, interacting with guests and that sort of stuff, uh, which leads me to, you know, you mentioned you, you also, you know, do short term rental. So there are creative ways to make house hack work, right? It's not just your traditional, you put a tenant in there for 12 months. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, especially when cash flow is a little tough, you know, with um, the traditional rental, like what are some creative ways that people can make house hacking work for them? Having yeah, I, I guess like the short-term rental so far is the best way that I can think of. It's a little bit more time intensive and developing your systems mm -hmm. is super important in order for right. your short-term rental to work. And I feel like uh, now that Airbnb yeah. has been out for like a decade or so, maybe, maybe even more than that, um, everyone and their moms are doing it. And how do you set yourself apart in your short-term right. rental, right? Um, to answer your question, though, getting creative and making your house hack work, um, that all depends on how you can furnish the place, you know, whether you can uh, do the rent by the room situation or let's say you have like a 3000 square foot place with only five bedrooms with 3000 square feet. I would anticipate that you might be able to put in another bedroom. And so putting up another drywall or another room with a closet and heating source and things like that. That would cost maybe like $1,000 to $1,500 just to get it set up. And if you're able to put someone in there for another $800 per month, you're making that money back within two months. So a lot of people are looking for that aspect yeah. where, of like, if you can add another bedroom, not only are you increasing your monthly revenue, but you're also increasing the value of the home because now your, your comps are with that six-bedroom criteria versus the five bedroom criteria. Right. So all in all, it's a win-win situation. Right. If you're able to find that capability without like ruining the, the layout of the house. So I feel like that's one way to get creative with it. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I think a lot of people go into a house and then they start to crunch numbers. They're like, will it work? Right. With the, with the way it's laid out and they don't think about, can I modify it in any ways to make it work? Right. How can I make this deal work? Are there creative ways? And so, you know, you can add a bedroom, you can do garage conversions, as you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome. So I think what would really help is like, maybe if we kind of go through your journey, right? Like 2019, you bought your 
first property, San Diego duplex. Uh, how did you finance that first deal? Totally. Yeah, me and my wife, uh, we had W-2 salary positions, um, and it was pretty easy to get financing on the first one, uh, just because, you know, we had Got no it. other significant debts, right? Not even a car payment, you know? So right. to a borrower, they're okay. like, yeah. yeah, we'll definitely finance these guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so that was pretty easy. And then, uh, moving on to our second one, uh, over to Denver, um, I guess before we got to that point, uh, we put in long-term renters who are currently still there in San Diego, uh, for both of the units and they take care of our mortgage. It's like, and we're making about 400 bucks a month after all the expenses. So we're cash flowing about 400 bucks and the appreciation game is wow. insane there in San Diego. So that's a whole nother conversation in itself. Right. Um, <laughs> so the second house act that we did was, uh, with my parents. So we knew that like my wife and I, Kat and I, we wanted to start, start a family. We want a family like one day, you know? Right. So having a home, where my parents and our like our kids' future grandparents would have, and we could just call this home base, is something that we wanted to establish mm -hmm. as well. So we got this pretty big home right. in this place called uh, Parker. Uh, it's like South Denver area, um, suburbia. It's really nice. My parents love it, and they don't plan on moving anytime soon. Um, we are mm -hmm. all on the loan and all on title, um, so that you know it's just something within the family too. Um, I don't know if you want me to, if right. you want to stop there, I feel like I'm sort of rambling, but I have one more to go through. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And then, no, it um, helps. <laughs> so yeah, from there, that was our second house hack, the one in Parker. And then, um, that's when I made that transition into becoming a real estate agent and becoming a real estate agent, you yes. know, you're 1099 and I had no income mm -hmm. in the lender's eyes and I had to have two years of verifiable income. So they couldn't use me on the, on the loan. So not even my wife could be on the loan because now she's on two of the mortgages, right? Which is a lesson learned. Mm -hmm. Like if you can have as little people as possible on those loans, right. definitely do that. I learned that the hard way so far. Um, so what we ended up doing with our third house hack is partnering up with our family. So our cousins and my sister-in-law um, partnered up to finance the 5% down on our third house hack. So with the returns that we're getting on uh, Airbnb, we give them a 10% cash on cash return. So in total, mm -hmm. each, let's say for one investor who uh, gave us a capital of about $25,000, they get a total of 2500 by the end of the year, which is about, what, 210 bucks per month or something like that. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's an incentive for them. They get a constant guaranteed 10% cash on cash, and they have equity in the place right. as well. We have one-third equity between me and Kat. Our cousins have one-third, and then my sister-in-law has one-third equity. So we try to make it as much of a win-win situation for all parties involved, whether it's a buyer seller, uh, partnerships, whatever that might be. It's just a good environment to be in. And that's the, that's the sort of, um, relationship I want to cultivate as I continuing, as I continue on my investing career. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, yeah, that's what, that's a challenge I didn't even think about, right? Like not having the uh, to be able to show your income to a lender and having to be creative. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So for folks who are thinking about, you know, getting started and 
real estate investing, house hacking. Um, what is the best way to get started? Totally. Yeah. Uh, do what I did and get educated. <laughs> There's a lot of good content out there. And um, a lot of it is on social media. There's a lot of people out there, including myself, and I pride myself in doing this. I've been posting up educational um, information, reels. I call it edutainments because I also put up memes as well that are house hacking related. Um, I, I post that like Monday through Friday for the past like six months. And I, I make that a thing, uh, a goal for myself. So books, podcasts like this one, I'm sure. I mean, Teach Me Real Estate Investing, that's a brilliant podcasting name. <laughs> like if someone were to like, hey, teach me how to real estate invest, your podcast should be the first one coming up. So I think that's brilliant. Um, so definitely educate yourself. Yeah. And then the second thing I would do is build your team. And the core of your team would be your real estate agents and your lender. You don't know how much you're going to be approved for until you talk with your lender. So that lender can come in all shapes and sizes. However, I would probably go to your real estate agent to see what is recommended from that agent because that agent could have a bunch of lenders in their Rolodex. But the big thing is, is like right. based on your situation and um, let's say you need a VA loan or let's say you need a physician's loan, that realtor could have that lender specific for your needs. So uh, that's what I would recommend. Those are the biggest two things I would recommend is just get educated yeah. and then talk with your lender and realtor to get started. Yeah. Talking about lending, actually, you had mentioned, you know, you used the FHA loan. Uh, can the FHA loan be used every time? Uh, like, let's say I house hack and then I want to do this again the next year. Can I get an FHA loan again or can you only have one? Do you, do you know the rules around that? Yeah. So... Um, I won't be the best person to talk to, but this is based on my experience. Of course, talk with your lender if you want to use a FHA loan. <laughs> so um, I know with the FHA loan, of course, for first-time home buyers, you could definitely take advantage of that. Um, you know, the low down payments is great. Um, to use it again, you cannot have an FHA loan twice. So if you have a mortgage already on a home, let's say in my San Diego home, I had to refinance out of it into a conventional loan in order to be able to use that FHA right. loan again. So um, I see. I don't think it's necessary to use that FHA loan again. I think the biggest thing is you can use a 3% conventional um, for any other future owner-occupied home. So um, it's not okay. necessary, but... Um, I think it just has lower criteria in order for you to be uh, a good borrower. I think it's like lower credit score and all these other things. So, yeah. I see. Okay. So I did not know that. I thought, you know, only with FHA, you can get, get such a low down payment. But you're saying even without an FHA loan, you can get low down payment uh, lending. Yeah. And I will say one more thing. So I got on that, uh, on that FHA versus conventional. And um, with FHA... So I guess we'll start with conventional, right? So with conventional, anything lower than a 20% down payments on a home, if you were to put down, let's say 5%, you have to pay property mortgage insurance, PMI, which is a fee that goes to the lender, which ensures that they will get paid out if you default on the loan, which I think is BS, but that's a whole different right. conversation. So having that 
criteria where you need to have 20% in the home in order for that PMI to drop. You can wait it out. I think it's like 11 years in order for that PMI to drop where your equity is built in automatically for 20%. Or you can get it appraised at a sooner date when you think you hit that 20% equity in your property. Um, with FHA, however, if as long as you have that loan, it doesn't matter whether you hit that 20% or higher, you will have to keep paying that PMI. So you, in your yeah. best interest, so you don't have to pay that PMI because that's just money going down the drain, right? You would have, right. you should refinance into a conventional loan so that you don't have to pay that PMI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I remember on my own, uh, you know, lending schedule, like the mortgage schedule, it, the PMI is there for the whole duration of the mortgage. So yeah, as soon as I'm able to refinance out of that, that's the plan and lower my uh, monthly payment. Cool. Yeah, you mentioned your Instagram, you share a lot of content. So if people want to reach out to you, uh, you know, where can they find you on Instagram? Yeah, for sure, man. It's uh, at ian.realestateagents. Uh, post there Monday through Friday from memes to stories. It's a little bit more Denver specific. However, a lot of the nuggets of this information can be translated nationwide. So don't feel like it's just Denver specific. So this is all for you guys. Um, yeah, ian.realestateagent. I'm also on TikTok and YouTube. YouTube, I have longer form videos where a lot of people can read about these things or just listen to podcasts and things like that, but they don't understand what the house looks like. So that's what I, that's where I try to bridge mm -hmm. that gap. Where on my YouTube channel, I actually go through houses where I'm like, this is a great home. Check out this open concept. You can have this bedroom, this bedroom, this bedroom operating as, you know, a month to month lease for your long term rentals um, and the potential income you can get from these places. So definitely check me out on YouTube as well. Ian.realestateagent. Awesome. Yeah. So right now you're focused on helping people, you know, house hack in Denver. What are your plans for the future? What, what do you have any big goals for 2023 that you can share with us? Share with oh, us. Oh, totally. And even past that, I will share that with you too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So ultimately, um, the concept of investing in real estate is not merely to just build an empire, in my opinion. It's to get my time back. Like, I do not want to work mm -hmm. 60 hours a week for 60 years of my life, right? I want to right. retire quote unquote, retire as soon as possible, where I no longer have to work for my money. My assets pay for my uh, just lifestyle. And so that's the dream where, uh, let's say, I know for me and my wife, we want to live in Amsterdam for one year. And I can't think of any mm -hmm. W-2 job that would allow me to not work for one year. So Having right. that capability is huge for us, as well as, uh, I guess, on a little bit more um, local perspective, um, I had a pretty strong upbringing in my community college, and I would love to be an educator. Mm -hmm. I want to be a professor there talking about financial literacy, financial independence, how to invest in real estate, how to become a homeowner, and things like that. Because I wish I knew this stuff when I was 20. You know, a lot of people just don't know right. what they don't know. And this seems to be a common reoccurrence in this episode, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all about the giving of knowledge and do what you want with that knowledge. But at least I'm leading the horse to water, 
right? And that's that's what right. I would like to yeah. do. Uh, live in Amsterdam for a year, be an educator. And as far as my real estate investments go, next thing I'm looking for is a short-term rental in a place called Estes Park, which is in close to Rocky Mountain National Park. So for anyone that wants to go visit the national park, they can stay at our short-term rental. And that's kind of what we're going at right now. That's awesome. No, I love your goals and I believe in you. I think you can totally do all of this. So I'm excited to follow your journey. Um, yeah, thanks a, a lot for making the time to talk with us today. I learned a lot. I hope our audience does as well. Of course, man. So I got, I, it's been a pleasure. All right. That is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on. It would really help my mission of teaching more people about real estate investing. Thank you, and I'll see you in the next one.